thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, we're going to finish our series uh, in it, not of it today. Uh, Next Sunday, we begin the Christmas season. Um, I know that's kind of crazy to say, but that's what we'll do. Turkeys will be done, okay? So, uh, but the 29th, we'll start that. But today, we're going to end in it, not of it. That's been the series for the fall. We've looked at in it and not of it. How are we as believers, born again, child of the king, how are we who are saved today supposed to live in a world that doesn't care about Christ, who absolutely doesn't even really care about the word, doesn't even care about church, just kind of cares about themselves? How are we supposed to be in this world but not of this world? How are we supposed to be the salt and the light and the little Christ in this world, in a world that is desperately needing what we got? But how do we be that and not look like them? It's a difficult journey. It's hard to do. So what we've done is we've taken that text or taken that phrase and we broke it down. We've looked at three weeks there at the beginning. We just kind of introed it. We kind of set it up. In the last six weeks, we've looked at different people in the Bible. What about them? What about them? Made them be in it, but not of it. What were the characteristics? What were the, what were the traits about their lives? What, were they, what did they do that we need to emulate? What are the things that we see in them that we need in us? And we looked at people like Moses. Moses was leading God's people. He used to go to the tent of tent meetings. Remember that? We met with God. And he, and he told God, God, don't, don't, what's going to distinguish us from all the other people groups in the, on the face of the earth? If your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. Because I don't know that we'll look any different. And he met with God, and he met with God, and he met with God. And he continued to ask that. And God said, Moses, I'll do the very thing you've asked because I know you by name. And then we looked at Jabez, little guy, tucked away in Chronicles. In a genealogy of the Hebrew people, he stops and talks about Jabez. What about Jabez? Jabez Jabez prayed a powerful prayer, okay? And God said, I'll grant that prayer. He said, enlarge my territory. He looked at Esther, credible lady. We looked at David in his pursuit of Goliath, but there was more than just David and Goliath that we looked at. We looked at Nicodemus. Nicodemus was thrown under the bus in chapter 3 because he was a big chicken, and he went to Jesus at night because he didn't want his buddies to see him because he was interested. But he goes from there to standing up for Jesus and speaking up for him to absolutely the, the, the epitome of being a follower of Christ. After Jesus' death on the cross, his body was hanging there, and Joseph and Nicodemus went and got the body, okay, and wrapped him in linens and put him in the tomb. He goes from nighttime finding Jesus to walking out there when everybody else had tucked tail and run to say, I need the body of Jesus. And then last week we looked at Paul, what a mighty man of God Paul was. Over half the New Testament accredited to Paul. Paul was an incredible man. You remember Paul and Silas in prison, and, and they were worshiping, and the walls came down, and the guard freaked out because they thought Paul and Silas was going to run for it, and the, and the guard went back, and, and Paul and Silas just sitting there. They continued to sing. Walls are down. Bars are down. They didn't move. And the guard looked at him and said, what must I do to be saved? Woo! And we talked about when's the last time someone looked at your life and walked up to you 
and said, what must I do to be like you, to have what you have? Tell me about Jesus. Man, that's powerful. We need that. And today, the epitome of being in the world but not of the world is Jesus. That's who we're looking at. Who did it best? Jesus did it. A name given above all names that man might be saved. Jesus. I want to look at Jesus. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We're going to look at Christ. We're going to look at some characteristics, but we're going to kind of really only camp on two. Okay? Some of you are like, two? <laughs> I can do two. It's at 710 I can't do. Two. Okay? I'll go ahead and warn you, these are some big two, though. All right? These are a big two. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, beginning verse 1. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose. Do, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility. Consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only at your own interests, but also to the interest of others. I want to look real quickly at these, and then we're going to go down in his text. But I want you to see what he says. I want you to make my joy complete. Well, how do I make his joy complete? How does my life bring joy to Christ? Have you ever even thought that? Or it's just, God, make me happy, make me happy, make me happy. But what about me blessing him, not just him blessing me? What about my life bringing joy to Christ? Well, how do you do that? Well, he says, first, be like-minded. Be like-minded. Romans 12, 2, the text kind of this series has been taken out of, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed in your mind. How to be transformed in my mind? So that I might be like-minded. What do you mean like-minded? So that my mind, my thoughts, my desires, my will might match the Father. That's like-minded. He said, wow, I don't know that my mind and my thoughts and my will always match his. That's the goal. He says, you want to bring me joy? Be like-minded. Let me tell you something. It's very important for us as a church to be like-minded. There are many churches today that gather, and they're not like-minded. They're very divided camps. And when you divide a camp, you can conquer a camp. When you divide a church because they're not like-minded, you can take that church. Because where you see a stream, where you just see a little bitty crack in a dividedness, God, the enemy can take that. He can make a river, man. You see, a little bitty crack won't do much. But a river can wipe out a lot of stuff. The power of undivided minds and divided camps will kill you. When the world looks at the church today, do they see us as like-minded or divided? Are you like-minded or divided? What about in your home? Mom and dad, husband, wife, one flesh, two flesh. Like-minded, dual purpose, okay, single focus, or two different camps. The Bible tells us if we're ever going to bring joy to, to him, 
We want to be what? Like-minded. Secondly, we want to be same in love. Same in love. Look back a little bit in John's gospel. Go back to John's gospel. This is John chapter 13. John 13, look at verses 34, 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, by what? By the love, all men will know that you are my disciple. If you love one another. By this, you will know. By this, all men will know. You want to separate the men from the boys? You want to absolutely test whether or not you're in it, not of it? When you love people as Christ loved people, you're like him. You say, boy, that's hard, Jeff. That gets harder every single day. My friends, amen. It gets harder every single day to love people. We're not commanded to like them. We're commanded to love them. See, it doesn't matter. You say, well, I don't, I don't like these kind of people. That's fine. Don't like them. Okay? Don't like them. But listen to me. You're commanded by God in his word to love them. You've got to look past what they do, what they say, and their sin, and they're swimming in sin, and sometimes they flunk their sin, and sometimes they throw it in your face as believers, and they throw it in the face of the church. But let me say something to you. you got to look past all that, and don't take that personally. you got to be a big boy in big pants, and you got to look past it, and you got to love them. Because here's what they want you to do. They want you to throw a stone and judge them. But when they're met with love, it changes everything. They brought the woman caught in adultery to Jesus, all the... Uh, religious hierarchy did. They said, we caught this woman in adultery. The law tells us we stone her. Jesus says, cool. So any of you cats without sin, y'all throw the first stone. They're like, whoop, I have a glass house. Got to go. I got a glass house. I'm out of here. And it says that the older ones left first. Hmm. Interesting, huh? Hmm. So that's wisdom? Hmm. I don't know. Probably more sin, all right? But here's the deal. Jesus turned to the woman and said, where are those who accuse you? And she said, there are none. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. He did not say, you know, it's okay that you've chosen to behave this way. It's okay that you act like this because, oh, Lord, I know your mom. Oh, I know your mom. Mm. And, and child, help you. I know your daddy too. Mm. Lord, some people just don't get a good start in life. I know your dad and I know your mom. Bless your heart. I know that at home. Oh, child, yeah, you, I, you, you, you should do that. That's, that's the, if that's all you're doing, bless Jesus. Because I, 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 that's, that's, who, that's who you, I, I, well, I know your brother and sister too. Lord, help. You just like them. Oh, that, that, that class in school, uh-huh, that's a terrible class. It, it, it's just, it's the class's fault. She was just born, and this is the group of students that, that she graduates with, and they just, that class is, if she was a class ahead, oh, she'd be a different kid. I'm sorry. Jesus didn't say all these excuses. Jesus didn't say, because of all this, go and continue your life of sin. Jesus said, go 
and leave your life of sin. You see, she was met with judgment. Jesus met her with love. He didn't excuse her sin. He didn't even say it was okay, and he didn't even agree with it. As a matter of fact, he said, don't like it. I'll go leave it. I'm going to tell you, she left it. See, my friend, what we need to do is we need to understand that we can't react to their sin. We have to love them. You see, too many times when we see that and we want to react to their sin and forget there's a person underneath there. Many of them do it, okay, not because they want to, because they feel trapped. Okay, we've got to meet them with love. You want to be in the world and not of the world today? Go out there and love that world like Jesus loved you. And I'm telling you right now, they'll walk around with their mouth open because you don't see that. You don't see that. He says, also, if you want to bring joy to me, you need to be one in spirit and in purpose. One in spirit and in purpose. We talked about that just a little bit ago about the church being in one in spirit. Because me and you, we're just brothers and sisters with different mothers, right? We're just brothers and sisters with different mothers. We all got the same father, and that's the good father in heaven, okay? We're brothers and sisters because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. He gave his life for us. We've been adopted, grafted into the family of God. We're brothers and sisters. I don't care if you're yellow, pink, purple, white, green, okay? We're brothers and sisters. You don't have to speak English. You can speak whatever you want to speak. But if you know him as king and he's changed your life, me and you, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're brothers and sisters. Let me tell you, I sat in a church in Amarillo, Texas. I saw a gentleman in that church in leadership position drag two teenage boys out of worship service, two songs in because they had tattoos and an earring. Drug them out. He said, you're welcome to sit in the foyer, but you're not welcomed in the worship center. Dude, I, I, I almost didn't want to go back in there because I was thinking this place is about to burn down. Lightning is from heaven. is about to torch this place. Hey, there's no place for that in the kingdom. No place. If they're ever going to change, they're not going to change in the bar. They're going to change in his presence. If you can't look past all that stuff, <laughs> then you're pretty shallow. Or you're too high. We've got to get to the point in the church where there is no division. There is no looking at man through man's eyes. That we look at man through God's eyes. If their dress and their behavior produces irreverence, I'll call them down. But if their dress and their behavior does not cause them to be irreverent, welcome to the house. Welcome to the house. Listen to me. We live in a day and time, if we're ever going to be in it and not of it, not just as the little church, but as the big church, we've got to learn to love like he loved. We've got to learn to love like he loved. And until we do, they're always going to throw that back in our face. I'm not telling you that you have to agree with them, and I'm not telling you you have to affirm their sin, and I'm not telling you that you have to be a part of that. But I am telling you they better have a place at the table Okay, if they're ever going to be changed. Because if we throw them back out there, they're not changing. They're not changing. Let's keep rolling. Look back in the text. 
Let's continue in verse 5. Verse 5 says this, your attitude, mm, your attitude should be the same as that as Christ Jesus, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in humble likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. When you look at Jesus and you look at his life and you want to pattern his life, number one, you see love. And number two, in that attitude, in that character of Jesus, you see forgiveness. Forgiveness. You want to be in this world and not of this world? Then don't forgive like the world. Don't forgive like the world. Forgive like Jesus. Forgive like Jesus. Here's a simple question this morning. Do you forgive like the world or do you forgive like Christ? You say, man, preacher, way to end, this, end the series with that. Thanks. But here's the deal, man. If we're going to be in this world today, we got to love and we got to forgive. Mm. Did he model that consistently all through Scripture? No matter what, he forgave us. You and me have been forgiven much. Much is required. While I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. He took my sin. He didn't take the prostitute's sin only. He took Jeff's sin on the cross. And he died for that. And he said, Jeff, I've forgiven you. Now you go and live for me and forgive others, just like I forgave you. Because if you want me to forgive you, my friend, you better forgive. Don't you get too big on your little horse. I'm going to knock you off, Humpty Dumpty. You're going to fall off that wall. Don't you think you get too big, too mighty, too high that you can't forgive. He who exalts himself will be humbled. But he who humbles himself will be exalted. He did that to Jesus. He'll do that to you. When you forgive, he'll exalt you. And you better turn around and exalt the king. But if you don't forgive, my friend, he'll humble you. He will humble you. Forgiveness. Why don't we, hum why don't we forgive? I think it's a pretty simple word. It's called pride. Pride's why we don't. You say, no, it's not. Just because I just don't think I should. No, because you're prideful. I just haven't had the opportunity. No, it's because you have and your pride won't let you. Because you think you're winning and you're pretty proud of yourself and you're going to stay all puffed up. The problem is you think you're still growing in your walk with Christ when you're really decreasing. Because you cannot hold back and your forgiveness, it is the number one quality of Christ. You can't, if you can't forgive just like he forgave, there's no way you can continue to be like Christ. You say, well, I worship better today than I have in years. And I, I've been holding this for 10 years. Well, Jesus said their, 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 their lips 
speak my praise, but their hearts are far from me. You might be careful that your emotional side of worship might really have grown. But the depth of your heart and the depth of your walk with Christ, it ain't very deep. But if they can create the right ceremony and situation with all the bells and whistles and the right band and a good bass and a good guitar and the smoke and the whistle and the lights and all that dog and pony show, woo, you can worship. But when all that music ends, what's your heart look like? Can you still do that? Because we used to sing a song that says, it's more than a song. It's more than a song. It sure is. It's forgiveness. The church is full today of people that won't forgive. But they've been forgiven much. And so how do you know that's true? It's true. I used to be that person. I was in church all the time. Heck, I was on staff. I, I surrendered to the call of ministry with unforgiveness in my heart. God said, you need to set your dad free. So no, my dad needs to come to me and set me free. He's dad. I'm son. He says, sorry, I'm heavenly father, and you need to set your dad free. So I went and set my dad free by setting myself free. And five years later, my dad gave his life to Christ and was saved in jail. He said, Jeff, I got saved because five years earlier you came to me and set me free, and I've never seen that in my life. Never seen that. I've taught that. I never saw that. So my dad, 21 years as a deacon in a Baptist church, goes and sees the pastor a couple of weeks later, says, I want to stand before the deacon body and tell them what happened in my life and then stand before the church and tell my church. And the pastor looked at him and said, no, you're not welcome here anymore. And my wife can testify, doesn't go today. Attends with my brother every once in a while. But my dad was wounded deep by that, wounded deep by the church. The church should be the model of forgiveness and, rest, and restitution and restoring people. When we throw our own out there, we're in trouble, man. We're in trouble. Forgiveness. Why do we not forgive? Because of pride, man. We're just prideful. We're stubborn, stubborn people. We're just stubborn. Romans chapter 1, there were some stubborn people in Romans 1. God called them stiff-necked. That's not a compliment, okay? <laughs> stiff-necked, okay? It's not a compliment. He says to them after a while, he says, you're wearing out my patience here. I'm about to give you over to yourself. He says it three times. That's the most terrifying statement in all Scripture. Give them over to themselves. This is what happens to you if you harbor bitterness and you keep on harboring it. He finally says, I'm about to just give you over to yourself. Good luck with that. And here's what will happen to that. That marriage will get in trouble. He's getting in trouble with his kids. Probably getting in trouble at work. I'm telling you, everything starts breaking down when you don't forgive. You just can't keep that right here and think it only affects you. It affects you. There are marriages today. There are homes today. There are relationships between husbands and wives. That you need to Forgive. You need to forgive. 
I know it's been years, and I know you just moved on, and I know you're doing the best you can right now raising your children. You don't really have time. You'll revisit that later, but I'm going to say something to you. You need to stop and take care of that. You need to quit renting and have a marriage and quit passing like two ships in a night avoiding the subject. You need to forgive because if you don't model forgiveness at home, your kids will not model forgiveness in their home. And if you, don't, if you take that unforgiveness at home and bring it to the home here at the church, you'll begin to infect this place too. You see, we've got to forgive at home. We've got to forgive in church. We've got to forgive out there. He did. He did. Matthew 5 says this. Mm. If you're worshiping and you need to bring your gift to the king and you remember that you have ought against a brother or sister. You need to leave your gift at the altar and go and make it right with your brother or sister. And that's not talking about offering time. Your gift there is worship. It's worship. And worship is not confined to a building. Worship is your life. So you can't worship out there. Your, your life can't sing a song because you're locked down with unforgiveness. Your song's not hitting the roof, dude. And Jesus said, I want you to sing that song from mountaintops. Well, if you realize that you've been forgiven every day, in 1 John he says he is faithful to forgive and cleanse us, then you be faithful to forgive, and he'll cleanse them. you got to set them free with forgiveness. You boil down Jesus in two ways, love and forgiveness. You see, many of us, want to have yardsticks on our Christian walk, how we're doing in our relationship. And we pegged ladies and men and people that we say, man, I really respect their, their walk with Christ. I want to be like them. You know what that person would say to you? Oh, don't be like me. Let your yardstick be Jesus. That's my yardstick. You only like me and admire the things in me that you see in him. All I'm trying to do is be like Christ. Yeah, follow me while I follow him, but I'm not Jesus. I'll disappoint you, but he never will. Let your yardstick not be your neighbor, your coworker, your boss. Let it be Jesus. Let it be Jesus. I want to end, go back to Philippians. Look at verses 13 through 16. It's for it is with God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing. Boy, that would be a breath of fresh air, wouldn't it? <laughs> Sorry. That is not the message, okay? Do everything, woo, let everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and deprived generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that you may boast on the day of Christ that you did not run or labor for nothing. Why do we live in this world but not of this world? Why does it matter if we don't look like the pattern of this world? Because, my friend, we are set out to be stars that bring light to this world. And we're not running in vain, my friend. We're running for a purpose bigger than ourselves. So don't let it get discouraged out there. Oh, yeah, it'll be tough. 
when you try to live in this world as a believer sometimes. But we're called by God to be in this world and not of this world. My friend, I leave you with this. To be like Jesus, you got to love like Jesus. And to be like Jesus, you got to forgive like Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. And God, as we enter a time of invitation, Father, it's simple. It's an invite by you, by your spirit, to respond to what you have spoken. Father, we're here for a purpose. We're here to hear that message. We may think, well, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that. But we were here to hear that. And so, God, I pray right now that we would respond out of obedience to your spirit this morning. Whatever that is, to the altar, to pray with these couples down here for something. Maybe God's leading you to join the church. But whatever it is, that you would respond to Christ. For on the other side of obedience is always blessed.